Established way back in 1974, Allspec are one of Australia's leading aluminium system suppliers with 14 locations and nearly 600 staff across the country. Specialising in the design, testing and supply of commercial windows and doors, Allspec continue to develop innovative and advanced systems that lead the industry in terms of performance. With innovative designs, testing and supply and a service offering that is simply second to none, Horspec has become the leading partner for both systems fabricators and the architectural community alike. For more information, go to www.allspec.com.au. Welcome to Talking Architecture and Design, Australia's largest and oldest built environment podcast. And today we have two guests with us. Damien Barker and Nick Donofsky from Jackson Tease Architects. Welcome, Damien Barker and Nick Donofsky. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, um, I'll go through the bios first, get the formalities out of the way, as I say. Okay, as Practice Design Director, Damien Barker leads Jackson Tease's architecture and urban design teams. He has more than 20 years experience in architecture and urban design and has worked in Asia and Europe and in Malaysia in sustainable design and adaptive reuse of heritage buildings in Paris. That sounds lovely, by the way, Damien. <laughs> Damien, has led, <laughs> Damien has led the practice expansion into Japan and China, including project work in Southeast Asia. His projects include the design of new buildings for mixed use and transit oriented developments, seniors living, and the adaptive reuse of heritage listed buildings and master planning for brownfield and greenfield developments. Okay, senior associate, a senior associate rather of Jackson Tease, Nick Donoski, is based in the Sydney office. He has worked on a numerous projects, including multi-residential and commercial buildings, with particular experience in high-end residential projects and seniors living. Nick's role involves the running of projects at Jackson Tease, leading design teams, and coordinating consultants throughout a project's lifespan, as well as liaising with clients, stakeholders to resolve design and planning issues, and to ensure projects meet all requirements and expectations. But I don't see there, Nick, that you actually worked on heritage buildings in Paris, so what can I say, mate? <laughs> I've still got something to spite. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Thank you very much. Um, I really appreciate you taking out the time. So, let's look, I, I've had a bit of experience with Jackson Tease. Um, I, I've, you know, um, had, 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 had run some of your projects, spoken to some of your guys, but so tell me, so let, let, let the listeners hear about what is, um, uh, what is new and what is going on with Jackson Tease. I mean, in some ways, you guys are a bit of a, like a quiet achiever of, 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 um, of, of architectural firms. What in, what, in your opinion, makes Jackson Tease stand out from the uh, design crowd, as it were? Thanks, Manko. Um, Damien here. Uh, Nick and I are going to share the answers, make it easier on us. But uh, look, I quite like the moniker Quiet Achiever because I, I think it really um, sort of reflects our value and personality in a way. Uh, we, are, we are a Quiet Achiever in as far as um, we've been around for 50 years and uh, we've got predominantly repeat clients. We don't do a lot of promotion. But uh, we're very pleased with the, uh, the work that we're doing and the, the response that we're getting. So uh, very happy with that introduction. But in terms of um, what, how we stand out um, as a practice, I think it's more for us really about relevance and how we're relevant at the moment. And we always seem to be interested in ideas and issues that are not faddish and not on trend at the moment, but become fortunate that they do become relevant as time goes on. So a couple of examples of that is we won a sustainable design award for a passively designed building in 2009. It was actually New South Wales Institute's inaugural design award. And we've been interested in sustainability uh, for a long time, obviously. Uh, and that is obviously very relevant now. Uh, other thing is transport work. We do a lot of work related to infrastructure, transport and road rail in the past, and that's transformed into work related to mixed use around rail nodes and uh, transit-oriented development. We've just finished a project in Queensland the last couple of years for Queensland, Brisbane's first transit-oriented development at South Bank Railway Station. It's a large mixed-use project. 
uh, over South Bank's busway and railway station. Uh, but that, that project started in 2006, so it's, it's been a bit of a journey and, and led us in all sorts of different directions as well, and designing hotel and retail and uh, apartment buildings as part of that project. So I, I know we're talking about seniors living today, so that, that this response also relates to seniors living in as far as we started working in seniors living area about uh, 15 more years ago when the sector was really um, underloved in terms of design and, and building quality. And I think we all sort of said, you know, we got to take on the cream brick and red tile roof brigade and, and do some good buildings in the sector. And again, this sector's grown amazingly and developed and interestingly and architects are, uh, are keen to try and get into the sector now because it's such a relevant sector, demographics and everything else. So I think Lux had a lot to do with it, but also moving on to the next thing as opposed to promoting ourselves seems to be our strength, Franco. Okay. Um, that's interesting. You, you, know, you, you talk about sustainability and, and there, 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 is, there is a lot of overlap there with, with a number of a number of areas, and one of them is aged care. And, and, well, fortunately and unfortunately, in, in some ways, a growing sector. Um, yeah. Fighting for aged care has come a long way, hasn't it, guys? I mean, it's... It has. It has. The long way, yeah. Well, when you consider that residential care buildings used to be two or three storeys at best, usually in suburban villa settings, retirement villages, um, quite disjointed from community. Uh, that model has changed to being much more integrated with urban living and, and place-making and um, engaged with, with uh, the city, really, uh, as it should be. And um, the densities increasing and all the challenges that come along with that uh, are now presented to us as designers and, and the operators, of course. Yeah, look, that's that's interesting. There is, you know, it, it, it has come a long way, and, and it, as you said, you know, back in the day, I remember it used to be you know, the aged care facility used to be tucked away in some in some discreet corners. You could barely find the place. Um, but these days, there's books and there's guides on how to design aged care facilities. Um, but aged care facilities are also a lot more complex to design, aren't they? I mean, and why are they so why are they so different? also much harder to design than, let's say, a housing estate? Yeah, it's a good question. And look, we come across this a lot in terms of our interaction with councils, interestingly enough. Um, there's a lot of misconception uh, and, and misunderstanding, really, about what aged care actually is. And uh, just to give a brief overview, that there are two real components that we do in aged care. One is is actually residential care facilities known as RACs. Most, most acronyms call them RACs. And then there's the senior living component, which is really um, independent or assisted living uh, housing for, for seniors. And they're often co-located um, uh, and, and beneficial if they are. But obviously the, the key difference to the mainstream market is that elderly people need to have a greater degree of flexibility and adaptability in their housing as their needs change much more quickly than a young family's needs change. If a young family moves into a two-bedroom house and their needs change, they move to a three-bedroom house, or if they're fortunate enough. But um, the, in an elderly person's situation uh, with reduced mobility and increasing potential memory loss issues, this is very disconcerting. And so there's a, there's a great desire, a worthy desire to allow people to age and to encourage people to age in place as the aging process is really an unknown quantity. You know, we, we, one doesn't know when one's going to be incap incapacitated or have uh, mental health issues or reducing cognition. So these, these, are, these are key key issues. And so um, clearly the government's focusing spending on keeping people in their own accommodation. 
Um, and that, and we see that as, uh, you know, it, it, it's good on the public purse, but it's also much better for the well-being of people living in their own places, being supported by home care packages and the community and the villages and the accommodation that we design that is specifically designed to cater for people who are just just a bit beyond being able to take care of themselves in their own facilities, in their own houses, provide facilities and services to make that process easier. And that happens, that, that, that flexibility of the residents allow that to work with them as they get older. That's a key component. Yeah, if I, if I can add to what Damien was just saying, there, there are different levels of care as well, like depending on people that are, just transitioning to, to dementia, have fully have dementia, or even in palliative care. So it's not just one level of care that you need to address. And that, that also influences what we do. That's, it. That's actually interesting you say that, Nick, because yesterday, ironically, yesterday I was actually interviewing someone from Dementia Australia of all places. And they said to me, a very interesting comment, they said, if you design uh, or design a facility for dementia, then you've got everyone else covered. Yeah, that's that a very good There, um, and that that becomes increasingly difficult when dementia care and memory issues uh, often require people to get immediate and easy access to external environments, landscaped open spaces. So this is, of course, makes design challenging if you've got a multi-storey building. And that's why aged care buildings are really, it's all about working hard with your external spaces and, and creating that access. But, you know, like in principle, I, I totally agree with that comment. Um, uh, however, people who don't have dementia don't want to be in environments which are absolutely specifically focused on dementia either. So there's, there's subtleties uh, that need to be considered. And I think that that, that leads to the, the, the design of care facilities as distinguished from uh, independent living. And it's, you know, I always think of it as you're designing a building that no one ever wants to move into. And, uh, and you know, it, it becomes uh, the challenge that you've, on top of that challenge, you've got the challenge of you've got two clients. You've got the resident you, you, you only, that are all different, as Nick says, and then you've got the client, the care, the operator, the carer who um, has the job of looking after everybody and you've got to take care of their needs as well. So it's enormously complex brief and generally providers have quite uh, specific models themselves to actually develop these buildings. And so we find that a big part of the process of designing these buildings is, is actually understanding the brief and working very collaboratively with the operator and the carers to model a household, a, a set of uh, households and facilities to support them that actually allow them to deliver their model of care most effectively. So, uh, Nick will talk about the design principles in relation to a recent project, Woolaway Shores, um, in, in more detail. But an overarching principle, really, that we have is just to deinstitutionalize the model, to normalize the model, and to create a home, not a hospital. So it's 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 all about normalizing and uh, and 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 making it as beautiful as one possibly can within the budget. Yeah. Okay. Well. I, oh. Yeah. It's always. It's always. It's always the budget is always a limiting factor. I get that. But there is a heading I saw recently. Um, the design is key to creating aged care with a soul. Yeah. Very interesting uh, article. I can't even know where I read it. But anyway. Um, yeah. Is that, what you, is that is that is that what you mean? What you just said. But is that how you create a? Yeah. A I think so. I think uh, you know you you really in the same way where you once lived, there are things about your house or your apartment or whatever that it just really, you know, it are attractive to you and, and, and exemplify your lifestyle and 
and what the things that are very important to you, how do you do that in a household with 16 other or 15 other residents? How do you provide that personal touch, that individuality? How do you cater for people's um, uh, hobbies and passions and interests and things that they've done all through their lives uh, going into this setting when they're frail and, um, and, and, and elderly? So there's... You know, there are a lot of very good people who provide care that are doing as many activities and functions and things to provide that stimulation and interest. Uh, and uh, so we're seeing an increase of facilities and amenities within facilities, and that's particularly the case as um, uh, things focus more on isolated environments, which is contrary to what I've just been talking about, but a pandemic is not the best thing for an integrated yes. care um, So you've got to work with what the other things that you've got or, or, um, and also provide flexibility so, such that ideally it's only temporary. Building on, on what Damien was just talking about, and, you know, it, at the risk of sounding cliche, it does really start with considering the people you're designing for. And it's not just the residents, it's also their carers and friends and family that, that will visit them. Um, and so in considering the people you're designing for, it's not necessarily the kind of thing that you can just do abstractly. Um, having been through the process a few times and worked with several providers, um, you know, it's a real it's a real benefit knowing where the potential pitfalls um, and opportunities are in a care facility um, that allows you to design for those things. Um, and it's also, I guess, when in our buildings, we try to design for people's higher needs, not just their basic needs of um, shelter and security. Um, you know, it's things like... Um, their, their spiritual needs and their creative needs. And that leads to, you know, that lends itself to um, designing spaces such as chapels um, or spaces where, you know, inter, intergener um, they can be intergenerational mingling, incorporating play centres where young and old can play together. Um, some more specific examples of designing, you know, deinstitutionalizing our buildings and adding a sense of soul is even small things like staying away from cool white lighting and, and using warm white light because it's it's a bit more familiar warm for people but on the another benefit of that is that a lot of um a talk i went to recently you know they mentioned that a lot of um in a lot of care facilities a significant cost is um, dispensation of sleeping pills because cool white light actually interferes with people's circadian rhythms and keeps residents awake. Um, and it's other small things like, uh, like there's so many examples we can touch on, but um, things like deinstitutionalizing nurse stations. So it doesn't look like a traditional nurse station where it's a nurse in a white room behind a glass um, screen. You know, we um, in in the recent project we brought the nurse station right into the middle of the floor plate. It's designed as a piece of joinery, so the nurse is sitting there, could be sitting there doing paperwork. It's very approachable, friends and fam welcoming for friends and family. People feel free to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Just a few a few specific examples of of things we do to try and, I guess. Um, introduce a bit more soul to, to these to these buildings. Established way back in 1974, Alspec is one of Australia's leading aluminium system suppliers with 14 locations and nearly 600 staff across this great big country. Specialising in the design, testing and supply of commercial windows and doors, Alspec continued to develop innovative and advanced systems that lead the industry in terms of performance. With design testing and supply and a service offering that is simply second to none, Alspec has become the leading partner for both systems fabricators and the wider architectural community alike. 
So for more information, go to www.alspec.com.au. Okay. Okay, let's, let's talk about a specific example. Um, Anglicare over at Woolaware Shores down at Tarrant Point in a lovely Sutherland Shire in, in, in Sydney. Um, I saw, I've seen the pictures. Uh, it's a very interesting, interesting place. Um, I mean, the, the site, the, the, the views are nice. Um, tell me about the process. Tell me about the site, the, the process, the, the going through the approval, the planning, how much fun the council was. Um, just okay. that. Interesting you should mention that. So, well, so the genesis, the genesis for that project um, is the existing Angley Care Village at Willoway Shores, right. um, which is on a site adjacent to our site. And Angley Care purchased this site and right from the get-go um, wanted to, the brief was to expand the existing village. So there was already an existing community there um, to take into account. And one of the main drivers for this project was, um, you know, an expansion and amplification of the offering of the facilities of that village um, with, with this half of the village. And so that's something we, we kind, kind of had to factor in right from the beginning. Uh, this site in particular was a brownfield site. It was, covered, it was totally covered in asphalt. And... Um, for those who don't know, at Tarrant Point, it sits on the southern, um, the southern side of Botany Bay in Sydney. Um, it's at the mouth of the Georges River. And it's actually quite an interesting precinct. Um, there's a strong historical overlay. So right back from the 1830s, the area used, um, was used for farming oysters. It was main, Sydney's main oyster supply. And another another layering on the site is the ecological aspect. So it's actually um, an area of international significance for migrating seabirds from all the way from Japan and Siberia. So this site in particular sits just back from the riparian setback in Willoughby Bay. And at the same time as we were doing this development, speaking of council, they were also reinvigorating the foreshore. So there's recently um, a new pedestrian, shared pedestrian and bike path that's been open. Um, there's a new viewing um, platform looking out over the bay. There's a pelican uh, nesting area. So all this was going on. Um, and while, while we were sort of developing our concept and at, because of we were a bit constrained what we could do with this site. As I mentioned, it's a brownfield site. There were some flooding um, issues that we had to address. Um, so quite quickly, we ruled out basement parking. So right from the get-go, we kind of very early in the concept arrived at a solution with on-grade parking, which we then, working with Anglicare to develop their brief, um, decided to sleeve these spaces with approximately a thousand square meters of community uses in order to activate the ground plane and create this really kind of interesting context for residents um, to, to operate within. Um, but what that meant was because we had these significant setbacks like um, at the front of the site, we had to really have a really condensed building footprint. Um, and in order for the yield to stack up, it meant that we were um, a story above the high point for five of the six buildings. And initially council quite strongly resisted this, but I think because we were able to achieve such great amenity for the apartments and comply with all the other um, apartment design controls, without causing, um, you know, negative effects for, for surrounding buildings, they were able to see, okay, they, they actually almost became a partner in, in the redevelopment of the site. I think it was something that they, they were keen, like they're keen to re-urbanise this precinct, which is sort of a transitioning precinct. Um, so in the end, we were able to, to achieve a, a really positive outcome with 
the design and positioning of these buildings with with council's um, you know comments on board. That design is it was that particular to that site, or or could you use that design elsewhere? I mean, for another brownfield site. Or was it because of the particular topography, the particular site, the particular, you know, the, the, the I mean, it's, 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 I, I know Tarrant Point quite well. And I know it's kind of connected, but it, but it also has a lot of its nooks and, nooks and crannies. Uh, yeah. Is that, is that why that, that particular design was, was chosen? Definitely, like every design we do is particular to that site. Right. So there's, def- we, there's no, as many times as you do an aged care building, there's no cookie cutter approach and we you know as Damien mentioned before we work really closely with our providers to aged care providers who in some ways are kind of our collaborators not just our clients and we try to meet their brief as best as we can but um, as part of that we, we do do an analysis and reading of each particular site to arrive at the, at the best solution for that site and sometimes providers will approach us without a clear brief and they'll ask us, oh, well, look, what can we, what can we really achieve on this site? Like that's, that's a good outcome or it's not necessarily yield-based. They, it's what, what, what is a good outcome on this site that, that will be good, create great spaces for people to live in? And, yeah, and I think this site is a beautiful site and it's on the bay, obviously, and it's got the foreshore mangroves and um, really the positive attributes to the site are its natural natural nature characteristics. You know, not too far behind it, it turns into quite an industrial zone fairly quickly in brownfield nature. So we were working with the positives and looking outwards and drawing reference from uh, the colours and the, the character of, of the natural landscape. And that's why we chose... Uh, the base colours, which are more eucalypt greens and 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 a beautiful uh, stained colour that stains the concrete of the base, which you know, we we spend a lot of time selecting and um, and then the the porcelain baguettes, which are uh, a, a sort of uh, almost like oatmeal off white colour that really give a fresh, crisp feel to the development. And the, the, everything else hangs off that. It was just those two key elements thought, we thought would have longevity and always relate as the brownfield site around it diminished and changed, um, as it will do. And uh, we were doing another development at, at a similar time on another site, and its characteristics are actually quite different. But the design principles underpinning it have got a lot of similarities. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that's actually again interesting. So, I mean, on, on that point, you know, I, I know that land out at the Sutherland Shire isn't exactly cheap either. Um, <laughs> do do land um, prices affect in terms of how you design? I mean, in terms of that would that would impact obviously on 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 I guess the size and density of, of, of yeah um, yeah well we, we do um, we do we work very closely with marketing companies and the client to determine what's called the mix the size of apartments and the the type of apartments that will that generally will appeal best to the downsizing uh, demographic in that area. So without you naming names, there are, there are parts of Sydney we work in where we work with a much sort of lower socioeconomic group and we, we're working really hard with a much lesser budget to give as much amenity as possible. This demographic is really um, addressing the market and the market wants quite high-quality accommodation to move into. So this development's appeal is really to the, you know, the, the boomers who are selling down quite valuable property and, and want to move into uh, a, quite a, a boutique uh, facility. 
Established way back in 1974, Alspec is one of Australia's leading aluminium system suppliers with 14 locations and nearly 600 staff across this great big country. Specialising in the design, testing and supply of commercial windows and doors, Alspec continue to develop innovative and advanced systems that lead the industry in terms of performance. With design, testing and supply and a service offering that is simply second to none, Alspec has become the leading partner for both systems, fabricators and the wider architectural community alike. So for more information, go to www.alspec.com.au. Okay, so let's talk about sustainability. I mean, in terms of Woolwear Shores, I mean, what kind of uh, sustainability facets um, were were designed or were put into the design? I mean, I guess sustainability in, in, in aged care kind of goes hand in hand as well also with resident comfort, doesn't it? I mean, you've got shading, you've got thermal, you know, uh, yeah. you've got breezeways, you've got, ther- you know, thermal mass and whatnot. I mean, natural, you know, all sorts of natural ventilation and, you know, whatever. Um, and that is really important for, um, for obviously, for, for resident comfort, but, it, but it's obviously also important for the wider environment. Um, what kind of sustainability, uh, you know, attributes were, were designed into Bullwear Shores? Well, yeah, so apart from the features you just mentioned, in terms of the care building itself, so at Willoware, we've got six six buildings altogether. Five are apartment buildings. One is a care building. And so in terms of the care building itself, we really try as much as possible to design spaces and rooms that um, rely as little as possible on, on conditioned air, you know, these kind of sealed conditioned spaces where the temperature is always the same. Um, and, you know, so that means we've got, in this particular um, instance, we've got really large sitting areas, both in the sun and shaded, open to the north. And on favourable days, it allows internal areas to be opened up, um, facing the north and we're, we're lucky in this particular instance that n- north is the direction um, of the, the best views so you've got that dual aspect of letting the sun in and also looking out on a beautiful view across um, Willoware Bay. Um, so other features we do is um, we on, on our western side of the building we have um, small winter garden type spaces that allows um, kind of use in midwinter to can be closed off or opened up so there's a degree of flexibility but at the same time in a care building there are more I guess it needs to be operational in all every environment throughout the entire year so there are certain controls that in a way you um, you must meet minimum standards. Um, but other things we do is we try and have as much natural light as possible to reduce reliance on artificial lighting. Um, in terms of our apartment buildings on this site, we worked really, really hard with our planning um, to make sure that every single apartment achieves some direct sunlight into their living area at midwinter. So we actually have zero apartments that face south or don't get any direct sunlight. And I think that that's a, um, a massive um, sustainability um, positive aspect of, of this particular project. But it's also more things like that Damien touched on earlier where it's designed for a high degree of adaptability um, with minimal effort to allow people to age in place. Um, and because, again, in this particular instance, Angley Care will retain the operation of that building, you know, they're, they're very, it was a, they had a vested interest in using high quality finishes and materials with low maintenance, um, low, low corrosion as well because of the environment, um, which means that they will last the whole life of, of the building's operation. I think that's a, a really 
relevant point because uh, unlike the residential mainstream market, which sells on the asset as a strata volumetric box and then walks away essentially from responsibility, um, which we've seen all through the, uh, the press in the last year or two, the, a lot of care providers hold on to the asset long term. And so there's, there's, a, there's a real interest in maintaining and getting a building that's going to last the distance and be as strong and as durable as possible and as maintenance-free. And when you consider a lot of our work comes from sites where existing care facilities that might be 30 years old need to be knocked down and replaced because they just don't meet market expectations and they don't, they're not big enough and they're not operationally very effective and they're institutional in character. To design something that's good, long-lasting and flexible is, is inherently sustainable. It's funny because because you have a good ally in that, the federal government of all people. Um, uh, the reason I say that there was a recent Royal Commission to Aged Care Quality and, and, and Safety, obviously. Um, yep. You guys probably know. Um, and, and, it, and as with most Royal Commissions, they come up with a number of you know recommendations and ideas. Um, and you know there was one called Designing Accommodation for Quality of Life. And basically, you know, to cut a you know, fairly long-winded paragraph short, it said um, the commissioners spoke about the importance of, of good design. And th there, was a, there was a very interesting, interesting sentence there where it said, where older people live affects their sense of security and their quality of life. Accommodation that is well-designed to meet people's needs can improve their lives and their well-being. Um, you know, that... You know, most of these broad commission recommendations will eventually become law. Um, how does that affect you guys in terms of, of how when, when you design stuff? I mean, it sounds like you're already doing a lot of this, doesn't it? Yeah, look, I, look, I think any any bit of legislation or guideline that's that's legislated um, that improves quality of design and 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 reinforces it is a, can only be a positive thing. Um, guidelines are just that guidelines, you know, as design professionals, I think I speak for a lot of my contemporaries where, you know, we spend most of our day trying to exceed uh, better guidelines to produce excellence uh, within the framework of the project parameters. But for people who are not able or not, not familiar with this type of uh, building typology, I think guidelines are very useful. You know, we, we come across schemes that are done by architects that have absolutely no experience in aged care that are pretty poor. So if this goes some way in addressing those cases, I think that is a real positive. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 we work with over two dozen care, care providers in Eastern Australia and, um, I'd have to say all of them are absolutely committed to providing the best quality environment that they can afford to or able to within their site. So, you know, the Royal Commission is obviously dealing with it, with some problems that have happened in the industry. Um, and this is a very important aspect of it. Design is critical. But, uh, you know, I'm pleased to say that our experience anecdotally is that our, you know, we work with people who are deeply committed to partner with us to produce good outcomes. We've all had, were affected by the pandemic, and I think um, the, the aged care sector was kind of affected more so than anywhere, really. If you, if you look at the, the, the ages or a place of where people you know, died from, from COVID, yeah. whether that be in Australia or in the US, for example, you know, it, it seems to be sort of similar. So, um, what has the pandemic, you know, has the pandemic changed the way you design or the way you approach design for aged care um, or, or, or health and aged care facilities? Um, has, it, has it forced you to maybe look at design as a way of perhaps mitigating um, the, some of the effects of, or perhaps even the shortcomings of the aged care sector? I mean, does it, 
do events like this affect the way that uh, in a firm like Jackson Tees approach the, the design of, of, of aged healthcare facilities? Yeah, look, clearly it's been a, a big shock. We're all still coming to grips with it. And aged care is, you know, uh, very vulnerable. The care facilities particularly are very vulnerable to um, COVID infection. Uh, and, you know, I think what's happened is a lot of providers have, have, have combined with the, the Royal Commission, sat back and taken a breath and had a good look at what they're doing uh, in this sector to, to deal with not only that issue, but also the, the impacts of the Commission and, and, and um, everything that comes with it. So, um, but it, it's, it, you know, competing drivers here too, because... Designing for an isolated environment means bringing those facilities and amenities back into an aged care and therefore isolating it. Whereas our design approach before the pandemic was trying to get as much engagement with the broader community as possible to get people uh, to get out. And um, I think aged care for four-year-olds, the ABC program, demonstrates very clearly <laughs> the positive benefits of people getting out and engaging with multi-generational activities and just the broader community. Um, but, yeah, from our point of view and discussing with our clients, there's a greater um, emphasis on what happens in a situation of a lockdown. How do you get staff in? How do you deal with um, a situation where uh, people are isolated from their families? What are the ways that we in the future can can have a situation where people are in lockdown but are able to um, have human connection with family, which is one of the biggest issues that came out of that COVID uh, isolation was that 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 terrible dislocation. Uh, we actually had one of our other associates um, just had a heart operation at the time of the uh, of the pandemic and. Uh, it was very vulnerable and couldn't be uh, couldn't come to work and in fact couldn't go home. So he went into his aged care uh, facility with his mother for two months oh, and uh, got first-hand experience on how how it operated in a lockdown. And it was one of the ones that was actually in um, in a bit of strife. So uh, that was a really relevant experience, and he could he could relay the absolute fear and frustration that these these residents had at that time. So um, the jury's still out, we're still thinking about it, but um, it, it, it is hopefully gonna be reduced by a, a, a vaccination policy that, that's gonna be widespread. And um, because I'd hate to see a situation where care facilities were further isolated. Maybe that's, you know, maybe, maybe you're onto something, maybe that, that every, Everything that you get to design, you should go and live in for two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if that's the case, I, I, I just want to, I just want to find a firm that does pubs and pubs and hotels. Yeah, we do. We do a few hotels as well. So. <laughs> I've got to say though that you, you mentioned also something. But again, I'll reference the interview I did yesterday with Dementia Australia. It's the the, the lady I spoke to the exact same thing that 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 ABC series that was a nursing home for four year olds. Uh, I think it's aged care for four year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, again, and, and and she was actually she waxed lyrical about it. And she said that was one of the most interesting things that she saw, and it gave her a few ideas. So does it have, do things like that give you guys ideas? Yeah, look, um, absolutely. I, I think uh, we've known about the benefits of multi generational. Uh, interaction for a while, and we try and encourage that wherever possible. Um, but yeah, of course, you draw inspiration from everywhere. We've just done a facility where we have installed a Qantas Club style lounge on the ground floor, right. which, which means, which is free. So if you live there, you can come down and, and get a sandwich, have a glass of wine. Um, talk to a friend, you know, have some cheese. And, and it's just, okay, it, it's being paid for by your 
service feed overall, but it, it's a way of improving connectedness and improving socialisation and, and uh, loneliness and dislocation is some of the key issues that affect elderly people that are living at home. You see, you know, it's great, you go from one extreme to another, you go from an independent living where you might be a sole occupant in a two-bedroom apartment to sharing a care facility with 15 other residents. Yeah. Um, neither are ideal and you just keep working on, on how to break down the social construct of the, the care facility but increase the social connectiveness of the independent living. But, you know, they, they, those ideas of literally people travelling and going to Corners Club and thinking, geez, I like, geez, I like it when I can just get, get to the Corners Club and have a... a, a a beverage and something to eat just breaks my day if I'm going to get home at nine o'clock and I can talk to people and you know it's a small example yeah and in some ways it's it's constantly evolving it's not it's not like oh HQ you do this all that like um, you know every every job we learn and we apply things to the next job and you know even care providers um, will from job to job tweak their requirements um, in, in response to things that work well or not working so well or things they might want to try on the, on the next next phase. All right, uh, Nick and Damien, tell me, what's on the horizon for Jackson Tate's Architects moving forward? I mean, you know, I guess, you know, I should be careful about asking people to predict the future. I mean, you know, maybe uh, 16 months ago. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would have known? Uh, but, um, exactly. Yeah, well, let's we're the same Yeah, right. Well, let's see if we can try. Let's see if we can. What, what, what are you guys looking at? Um, what, what new um, projects are you taking on? Well, you know, I, I won't skied on too long but thankfully we've got a lot on and and that's just amazing as you say considering where we've been um and where the world is at the moment but in, in this sector in aged care we're looking at a range of projects but we're looking at some really interesting work with vertical villages um which is actually combining the care facility into a residential facility and all the facilities and those facilities that can be shared and those facilities that are separate. But that is a model which does two things. It actually encourages um, a normalisation and, a, and a, 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 a togetherness, no matter what stage of the ageing process you're in, you're at. Um, and also it deals with a very urban issue about consolidation and getting the maximum value out of available land so that you can get the highest concentration of people close to families, close to activities, close to cinemas, close to all the things they like um, and they're used to in their life. So that's we're fortunate enough to be involved in two of those. But in other housing projects, we're just encouraged to see, you know, increased interest and support of housing diversity. And we're doing a range of projects with student housing, social and affordable housing, housing for people with disabilities, we're, we're touching on some build-to-rent stuff, which is really exciting. I think it's going to do a lot for the, the market um, affordability and opportunity for younger people. And then, of course, multi-res and Sydney, you know, being an Eastern Australian practice, we're heavily engaged in designing a lot of residential buildings. But also we're working offshore and just our work in China, which is largely focused in aged care sector, is really interesting and doing some... Uh, really interesting culturally um, and in terms of scale and how, how the Chinese people are dealing with the, the impacts of a one-child policy and a Western, a Western adoption of, 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 sort of values, I suppose, of, of wealth and, and capitalism. Uh, so it's, that's, that's amazing. And the fact that we're still doing that work at this time is uh, is also amazing. Uh, and we've got a, a Japanese director and we're doing work in Tokyo and Yokohama. And we literally, through the pandemic, with uh, one, two, two projects without even having to go to Japan. So um, that just, you know, amazes us and uh, encourages us that 
we can work uh, actively without travelling, and that also lowers our carbon footprint and our um, our uh, ecological uh, imprint. So uh, we're just basically thankful that we can quietly keep on working uh, in in a world that's looking well. It's looking very good for Australia, but not so good for so many places still. So uh, it's uh, we're just thankful. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, you didn't once say in all your plans, we've got more heritage buildings in Paris to redo. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think those days might be over. <laughs> okay, Damien Barker, Nick Donoski from Jackson Tees Architects, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Appreciate it. Interesting discussion. Have a lovely, a lovely day. It's, it, the, the sun's out, so, so enjoy the rest of the day and the rest of the week. You've been listening to Talking Architecture and Design. Until next time, goodbye. Established way back in 1974, Allspec are one of Australia's leading aluminium system suppliers with 14 locations and nearly 600 staff across the country. Specialising in the design, testing and supply of commercial windows and doors, Allspec continue to develop innovative and advanced systems that lead the industry in terms of performance. With innovative designs, testing and supply and a service offering that is simply second to none, Allspec has become the leading partner for both systems fabricators and the architectural community alike. For more information, go to www.allspec.com.au. I'm Branko Melodic. Thanks for listening to Talking Architecture and Design, brought to you in association with the Architecture and Design Network. The A&D Network proudly presents the Sustainability Awards now in their 14th year. You can find more information at sustainablebuildingawards.com.au.